Welcome to The Partnership Economy. This podcast explores the power of partnerships through candid conversations with industry leaders. Join our hosts, Dave Yovano, CEO, and Todd Crawford, co-founder of Impact.com, as they unpack the future of partnerships as a lever for scale and an opportunity to put the consumer first. Welcome to the season three finale of the Partnership Economy podcast. I'm your host, Todd Crawford, and today I'm sitting down with an old friend of mine and a fellow affiliate marketing veteran, Brooke Schaff. Brooke has over two decades of experience starting his career immediately after college at a young Zappos.com. He founded and sold the agency Schaff Partner Centric and is now the co-founder and CEO at FMTC, originally known as For Me to Coupon. In his free time, you can find Brooke at his home in Austin, Texas with his wife, chickens, bees, goats, goat kids, and human kids. In today's discussion, we'll hear how his team at FMTC approaches brands on the value of coupons, incrementality, understanding why consumers abandon their carts, and developing a good coupon strategy while working with publishers and commerce content partners. This was an exciting conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Brooke, welcome to the Partnership Economy Podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you, Todd. It's great to be on. You and I go back a long ways. Um, we've been in the industry together, uh, cross paths constantly. But uh, for everybody else listening that might not be up to speed, I'd love for you to just walk us through, um, before we jump into Formina Coupons and, and what that does, but really just what got you into the affiliate partnership space and what's your journey been? I pretty much stumbled into the affiliate space looking for a job out of college. My uh, brother had a job at an incubator funded by the famous and now late Tony Shea. And in that incubator was a young Zappos.com. So I got a job as a marketing coordinator and took to affiliate marketing like a duck to water. Yeah, I remember those days. That was, uh, that was what year was that? Was that like 2000? 2000, yep. Over 20 years ago. And so you did that. And then you moved on and started your own agency. Am I correct? Yes. I got recruited to work in-house at a couple other companies, uh, learned a lot, including some painful lessons, and then um, continued my experience of of tripping and stumbling into the next phase of my life by starting an agency with the aforementioned brother that started out as Shaft Consulting, became Shaft Partner Centric after we acquired Partner Centric, one of the earliest agencies or OPMs they used to be called. And then that was sold some years ago to our first employee. Yep. They're partnered with Impact. We work with them closely. And then, well, I think actually simultaneously, uh, FMTC was created. Right. FMTC came out of a partnership that we had. Uh, it was a um, woman named Connie who had a coupon site and saw how many more coupon sites were coming online. You know, it's wave after wave throughout the years. Since she was not in a great competitive position, reaching consumers, but she knew that it was difficult to handle the data inventory. And so the concept of FMTC was born and it took off immediately and we're still running it today. So that business started at the end of 2007. So it is, it has been a good run and we are, we continue to grow. So, right. So it's for me to coupon. Uh, everybody abbreviates it FMTC. What today, what is the main solution that you provide? And, and I guess who's your customer? So our core customer is an enterprise affiliate, uh, mostly the the coupon or deal guys and the reward guys. And then we also sell to some of the commerce content guys out there. The problem that we solve is that these, our customers, our subscribers 
want to have high quality data to improve their user experience, i.e. The, the customers that shop on their sites and continue through to the merchants. The problem is that the merchants, you know, with thousands and thousands of merchants and FMTC has close to 20,000 merchant integrations, the data is entered incorrectly. Um, so the landing page doesn't work, the coupon doesn't work, uh, the label is, is written uh, incoherently, etc. So we actually have a manual team of dozens of human beings who go through this all day, every day, to clean up the data. So we test it, we normalize it, we standardize it, and then we distribute it. You don't have to work with FMTC, but if you want to provide a quality user experience, you have to clean up the data yourself then. Okay, so we got all that cleared up. So everybody knows who you are and what FMTC is. Let's let's dive into everything coupons because I think I always kind of see three groups of, of retailers that work with uh, coupons uh, or, or don't. And, you know, from the consumer's perspective, everybody wants a deal. It's a no-brainer. Like, I, I don't want to pay full price. And I think... Most brands promote that there's a chance there's a coupon out there in the checkout, right? I mean, there's usually a field that's blank that says, if you have a coupon code, go ahead and put it here, which obviously from a human perspective, I think there's a chance I could get a deal. So now I need to find that deal. I need to go look for it. So that stops the the checkout process and the consumer typically does a search in Google. Hey, I want, you know, brand plus coupon to see if there's any out there. I'm no fool, right? I want a deal. And when we look at brands, you know, they're, they're, I always see them as uh, falling into three groups. You know, I love coupons. We can drive a lot of sales. We can use it as a lever to hit end of quarter or end of week or even end of month uh, sales goals. And, you know, especially a lot of the direct to consumers seem to have that as almost part of their business model that, you know, you, you, you would get a discount. There's obviously brands that feel that MSRP is the price everyone should pay. So they're not doing coupons. And then I think there's kind of the, the largest group of retailers that are somewhere in between there. They, 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 uh, they have mixed feelings about them, kind of damned if they do and, and damned if they don't. Yeah, so just a quick point of clarification. Um, I think most of your listeners probably know this already, but you know the coupons that we deal with are retail coupons. So you got the big box guy or the little box guy online selling widgets. Those are the coupons we deal with. They're not just coupons, but category sales, gifts with purchase, BOGOs, et cetera, as opposed to like grocery coupons, which are sort of a set. Free shipping. Free shipping is a big one. And so in that retail space, you're dealing with basically economics 101, right? So you've got the supply curve, you've got the demand curve. Some of the buyers will buy, but they'll buy at a lower price than you might like to sell for. And as a, as, as a retailer, you just have to deal with that reality of human nature. Now, you can draw a line in the sand and say, hey, our prices are full price all the time. Um, but pretty much nobody does that. There's uh, almost always some form of discounting that, that comes into play. So if you look at... Um, uh, higher end retailers that that um, are typically not thought of as discounters, like Apple is a good example. At the right time of year, like Black Friday, they will do a cash gift card um, or credit for Apple. That's a form of discounting that can, that's, that can be advertised. And so, I think first you have to kind of settle in with this uh, emotional reality, and it's emotional on the seller side. It's also emotional on the buyer side, right? So the seller would love to sell everything, like you said, for MSRP all day, every day. The buyer would probably love to get some real discount all day, every day. 
And uh, each buyer is also sort of like unique. Um, a quick detour here that's worth noting is that uh, you know, the, the word history of the term coupon comes from sort of something being separated that usage continues in the term of like, you know, a financial coupon, uh, like the kind of usage it gets on Wall Street. And I think that that um, represents a sort of sense of emotional completion that's part of the buyer journey. Not for everybody. Not everybody uses coupons, but statistically, the vast majority um, of online shoppers do. It you know always shows up high in the statistics, and uh, that's even higher among millennials, which makes a lot of sense because they're probably more sophisticated uh, in an online environment, and you know they probably have less money than older age cohorts. So if you're the brand and you're not engaging with um, the coupon uh, ecosystem, you're basically leaving money on the table. Yeah, and I think the other risk is. The consumer's ready to buy. They they would prefer a deal. And if they can't get a deal from you and your products and services are available from a competitor and that competitor has a coupon, it can they can abandon cart and end up buying what they were looking for or most of what they were looking for from another competitor, right? So it's it's not just you didn't give them a discount. You didn't even get the revenue because they bought somewhere else. So I think it's kind of a, it's a fine edge. There's an art to it, right? Like you said, there's, there's certain times and ways to present offers to consumers. I mean, I see a lot where you make your first purchase and in the thank you email, they say, here's a coupon to come back and buy, which I think is smart because now it's like, you know, but it, Personally, I sit there and go, I would have liked that first right now for the purchase I just made. But but I get it. You know, it's another hook. It's another reminder that you, there's a deal to be had if you come back and, and shop from us. I always hear, you know, throughout the years at conferences and, and having conversations with with um, brands and, and with publishers that there seems to be blaming the, the coupon site because the customer's already in the cart. They do a brand plus coupon search and find a coupon and they feel like, well, I was going to get that sale anyway. And, and you know, you can't prove a negative, right? It's, it's really impossible with data. I mean, you can show abandoned carts and you can show other things, but you can't, it's hard to show that, that that was the reason, but it's human nature to think that might not be the best deal. <laughs> there might be a better one out there. Maybe I should still should do the search. Statistically, you know, I saw one pop up recently, 65% of carts are abandoned. I find that stat pretty uh, pretty believable. I'm sure it's unique for for each brand as well. And so you have to look at your own numbers, uh, come up with, I think, something that is uh, measurable for you that you can hang your hat on as the brand, as the person like sort of controlling this. And and then within that system, realistically, you should be able to find some place where you're going to be able to sort of do this discounting because you're probably doing it already, right? You mentioned like those ladder discounts, uh, some of this uh, couponing and discounting really touches on this um, this gamification. It's almost like gamification, right? And it predates the internet. You have like all these points programs and people can win more points and they try and get people back um, back then into the store as frequently as possible because the more people are in the store, the more people are going to spend. The more people are on your, on enticed to your site, the more they're going to spend. And it's sort of a, it's almost like a supplemental currency in a way that that brings about that sense of like emotional completion not all your customers are going to play that game. Some people want it to be very cut and dry. They never join the loyalty programs. Um, but for the ones who do, and you know, I'm included in that group. I think you're included in that group. Uh, most people I talk to are included in that group. And it's funny sometimes because I'll speak with people on the brand side who are very like down on coupons. And uh, I'll say, well, you know, 
do you do this? Do you do that? Do you look for a coupon? And they say, well, of course. And then I'll follow up. I'd say, well, did it occur to you that your customers are doing the same? And so that goes back to the idea that I think you're leaving money on the table. It, it can be very overwhelming, you know, because I think the brands or the brand representatives, they don't want to feel cheated, right? And they don't want to feel like they're being foolish either. So you have to come to some kind of framework that works for you, that works for your company. But within that framework, you're almost surely going to be putting out offers. And again, as proof of that, these offers are on your, your webpage. So uh, you know, big issue is that a lot of merchants don't display the offers that they have on their webpage uh, within the tracking platform, right? They're not sending them to impact.com, so they're not going out to the affiliates, which to me is, is insane because if you have a great offer uh, or even a mediocre offer, you want it to get out there. You know, just to be blunt about this, your number one competitor who is very active in the space is probably Amazon.com. You know, Amazon is very active with coupon and the reward sites, and, and they're very actively engaged with their, their publishers. Like a, sort of a, a slight detour, but I think it's worth mentioning is that if, if the coupon is a concept that gets the customer either out of the merchant shopping cart to another site, um, or that they come to the merchant site only you know through the, the other party, like the coupon site or reward site, then a similar term is um, anything around reviews. Um, and on the topic of Amazon, you know, Amazon has had for a while now their on-site publishing program, which actually shows, you know, it's not coupons, but it's like best of, uh, et cetera. And I think the concept there is they don't want people to leave the Amazon site. And I would uh, urge merchants to consider that Amazon is uh, a very uh, savvy um, um, player in the space. And if they're doing something like this, like engaging very actively with the coupon sites, it's not out of the goodness of their heart. It's because the numbers um, prove themselves out. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to learn how partnerships can help your business, visit impact.com, the world's leading partnership management platform. Even a 5% coupon can, can, can move sales. Uh, it doesn't have to be a 50% off. Um, there can be certain things that, you know, get people in the door because yeah, it, it's what you want is 50% off maybe, but we got a coupon of 10% on everything above that or, or, you know, based on your order value. And I think driving AOV up is, is a no brainer. I mean, every brand would love to I mean, I think it's wholly defensible to say we had a 20% coupon and we had a 40% higher AOV because of it. Like who's going to say that's a bad, that's bad for business. Right. So I think, I think brands are, are in general, not, really looking at it as a strategy and it's more of as a we've just got to put some coupons out every now and then right yeah there's three three easy breaking points right so you mentioned one of the big ones which is that the uh, affiliate manager has to talk to the pricing manager whatever title that is and the pricing manager provide the deal the affiliate manager has to add it to the um, uh, tracking platform uh, and then it has to get to the affiliates so fmbc solves the actually the last mile of that. We have great, really great distribution with the power players in the space. Uh, we're trying to work out ways to help solve for um, uh, the first couple of steps. Uh, but you know that's outside of our control, your control. But we definitely want to see if we can do something to reduce the friction so that more of that uh, deal information can flow. Because it's content, it's content people are looking for. And you know if they don't find it, you're not going to win their business on a as a personal example, a couple of years ago, I was looking for like this very particular pond part. We have a, like a water feature in my house. And I would 
have gone to any uh, company that sold pond supplies, which seem largely to be sort of like brick and mortar guys that have posted a Shopify store, which I'm totally happy to support as a business, I could not find one. So anybody had, who had posted even to your point, like the 5% discount um, would have gotten my business. This is, a, 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 like I said, that lack of, of sophistication or just a methodical testing, it, I think could go a long way because then you get the whole management team bought in on the value of this and that it's been tested and thought through and we're going to continue to monitor and manage these. You know, it, it, I think they're, like you so say, you keep saying they're leaving money on the table and I think this is just a, you know, it's a lack of bandwidth. Maybe no one person in the company even owns it, right? And the affiliate team is certainly willing to to to, to test it uh, because they have most of the partners that, that can promote coupons. But I don't think it's only brands that are making mistakes here in the coupon space. I see a lot of, of the affiliates from a consumer's perspective, like if a brand doesn't have a good coupon strategy, it's hard for me to know other than I didn't find a coupon or a very good one. Um, but they still might have a good strategy. It's just a, a you know, I fell through the cracks. But with publishers, I mean, personally, when I do the searches, I find a lot of coupons that don't work. And a lot of those coupon sites have little notes saying this was just used eight minutes ago. And uh, I try the coupon and it doesn't work. And I think that to me, if I were a brand, I'd be very concerned about that because that's a bad consumer experience. And that could cause them to not buy. Right. There's coupons out there and they don't work. I'm mad. I'm leaving or I'm going to find somebody else, or I finally found someone who did have a coupon that worked and I'm going to, to use it. And, you know, the mystery to me that I'm trying to solve, and I'm just playing dumb here because I think I really know the answer, is why do coupon sites have expired or coupons that don't work on their websites? Yeah, this is a, this is really a sore point, right? I was at um, a kid's party a few weeks ago and, uh, you know, I, People ask me what I do. This comes up, and what often comes up is, oh, you know, I always look for coupons, but I'm disappointed because they don't work. And you know, the the hidden answer here, I think, is that the coupon sites are unfortunately incentivized to post as much content as possible, and it exists for different reasons, right? Some of it might be spider food. Um, some of it is certainly clickbait. You know, you'll see literally ninety percent off for uh, a, a company that would never have a ninety percent deal, right? Because just because of cost of goods sold, like you know. You're not going to see furniture at 90% off unless, you know, there's some crazy fire sale going on. That's very unlikely. Software, you know, maybe you see that for software uh, or a dating app or something like that. And so it's really a tragedy to the comments because it, it, it spoils an experience and creates customer frustration and people are sort of incentivized for, for bad behavior. I think that the uh, sort of silver lining to that might just be that over time, customers can learn to trust some sites more than others. And one thing about FMDC is, you know, we distribute everything functional and by permission. So it's not stuff that's not for the affiliate channel. I wish, as I mentioned, that more stuff were for the affiliate channel. And I think that in a roundabout way, um, and I think you you lose more than you gain here, you being the sort of like the affiliate channel overall. Um, but in a roundabout way, it does help some companies uh, like, you know, Slick Deals. They're not unique by any means, but like, you know, they have a very active um, user community. Uh, they're very tuned into providing a very good user experience, uh, and a lot of other sites uh, are as well. So unfortunately, a few bad apples out there are uh, spoiling things for the rest of us. And that, you know, it's a chain reaction, right? That affects uh, impact.com, 
Um, it inadvertently affects FMTC, uh, certainly affects the customers out there, certainly affects the merchants, the agencies managing the merchant programs, and so on. And so I don't think at this time, unfortunately, that there is a, um, a great solution, um, uh, but maybe some sort of uh, uh, improved awareness of the reputational management of coupons or the ability to like validate a coupon for the users or something like that could help in the future. Do you have, um, curious to ask, do you have other suggestions for, for improving this issue, which, which I think is really is a problem? Yeah, I mean, I always used to use the example. I think a lot of brands get nervous about coupons because it's so easy for them to go where they didn't want them to go. Even just mailing snail mail coupons get on the internet. One-time use coupons get on the internet. I always used to say at conferences, you know, if I were holding a ferret in my hand right now and that was a coupon and it was just meant for this person in the front row and I put it down on the ground, who knows where that ferret is now, right? I mean, it, it, it's, it, it, you can't, you, I think there's this overall angst around lack of control. And that's, again, part of a more methodical coupon strategy, right? Where you, you understand that you are restricting, you're, you're using negative keywords or coupon codes. These, these won't get credit. You've got, you know, exclusive coupons, vanity KUKA codes to influencers and to certain um, partners that won't can't bleed out. They can't be redeemed by other or promoted by other other partners and get credit. So I think there's a lot of controls as part of this more sophisticated strategy that can be leveraged with the technology as well as the reporting. But again, it takes somebody to put together that strategy, run it, test it. It's not something you test in a week. Um, it's something that probably takes months because there's, you know, try these, try this, uh, you know, iterate. Okay, that worked, but we want to move over here with it now, you know, and, and there, there needs to be kind of a plan that's followed and measured. And, and then you kind of get down to like this, these things worked best. Now let's get buy-in to, to use those and we have the data to support it. Yeah, and, and something else I would uh, really recommend there would be more frequent explorations. I think you brought up a lot of great lovers and another one that I'm surprised is not used more often, because we actually did this way back when I was at shoes.com, so literally 20 years ago, is that if you have server-side tracking set up, those parameters come through, right? Like, you know, parameter equals X. And you could program your backend to say, well, if the parameter equals X and the parameter, the parameter being the affiliate ID, then initiate a discount. Uh, because the more that you work with your partners, the more leverage you're going to have. And that also, you know, it's a, it's a link activated discount. So somebody would actually have to wholesale take the link, which, you know, they could do, but you're, they can also take the link and the discount off of your homepage or out of your email or, or whatever it is. So exercise some of these controls. And I think you'll, you'll go most of the way to eliminating your frustrations if you're the brand. Well, as we wrap up, there's one more thing that I want to just explore a little bit here. And that is the co- content commerce publishers, these large, um, uh, review, gift guide, listicle, kind of online magazines uh, like the Wirecutter and BuzzFeed. There's there's um, hundreds of these um, publishers out there now producing really thorough reviews, recommendations, gift guides, um, and that content I think it, it indexes well in search engines. Consumers love it. Uh, brands love it, I think, because it's probably some of the most valuable real estate out there. I mean, you've got a third party evaluating your product or service and favorably. Um, and now I think you were, you were mentioning when we were 
talking the other day that, that they're starting to lean in to offering coupons and, and promotions alongside those uh, reviews and recommendations. What do you? How do you see this evolving, or, or is it already full scale, or is it? Are we still just starting to see this? No, we are no only now just starting to see this. So uh, this is very exciting for us, as you might imagine. Now we do sell data to a couple of these guys. So we count them as subscribers. Some of them have a sort of like coupon sections that we support. Others um, buy our ASIN matching products. So you send us your ASIN list, and we'll find the other merchants, like you know Walmart selling it, or some Shopify merchant that has an affiliate program elsewhere selling it. Uh, but what they're not currently doing is a uh, broad display of the coupon codes, which to me is crazy because if you meet these guys, they're, they're reps at a, like, you know, happy hour or something, they'll be, they'll express concern about losing out in the deal. So it's not just the merchant site where somebody hops off to look at the coupon. It could be one of these content publishers, right? Oh, I want to buy th- those kitchen shears. I wonder if I can find a coupon for them. Uh, so they search for the merchant or they search for the, the kitchen shears by product and they might miss out on the commission. So this is a big a uh, long-standing top of funnel model bottle funnel funnel concern. Uh, for for which it should be said, I don't think there is a, a good solution, no silver bullet, et cetera. You have to think about the different options and, and put in the effort and do as what's best possible if you're on the merchant side. But if you're on the publisher side and you're one of these commerce content guys, why on earth wouldn't you display the coupon data? You're more likely to see a click through. You're more likely to see a conversion and you're more likely to get credit for said conversion. Uh, and so I think what happened was there was this, um, you know, if you go back five years ago, I, I don't know quite when this was beginning. It was certainly pre-COVID, but it takes years for this stuff to ramp up. There was a lot of excitement in our space about these guys coming on board, and now it's huge sources of revenue. I think uh, I saw a stat in the last week or two that it's like a third of BuzzFeed's revenue. New York Times, which owns Wirecutter, uh, got a bump in their stock price recently. Mike McInerney uh, posted that, and it was attributable in part to how well Wirecutter is doing. You know, great content great uh, shopping experience, I, w- I would add. These guys had to do a lot to build up their infrastructure, get all the relationships going, and they do a lot of work to write these articles. And a very natural next step for me is that they, they consolidated uh, their position and those gains is to do a, a monetization play. And t- to me, and I may be biased, but this is the most likely monetization play. Um, you could, for example, create a little sort of like um, uh, icon adjacent to a merchant you match the merchant ID uh, for, for FMTC, that would be very easy. So you say, or you say, hey, here's the network uh, ID from impact.com. And then we match that to the merchant ID in FMTC. And then you run an API query and say, hey, is there a deal for this merchant? If so, that little display appears. And then um, the user is perhaps delighted to see that there's a deal uh, and then much more likely to make the purchase and again see that commission get credited. So uh, we've also talked to a, um, a potential channel partner about this. Uh, and so I think that you're going to see this unfold, not in like the next month, but I think over the next six months and a year. Um, to me, it makes total economic sense. So we'll, we'll see how it goes, uh, but we are feeling very enthused on our side for this. For us, FMDC sees the future with more deals going out to more publishing partners with greater frequency, uh, that it's going to improve the experience from the point of seeing something on the publisher site all the way through the conversion event uh, in the merchant shopping cart. And we are very much looking forward to being a part of that. So what you're saying is coupons and deals aren't going away anytime soon. It's uh, they're, they're here to stay, just like human nature. Backing up a little bit, even as we wrap this up, I think they, they exploded. You probably saw this data in, the 2000, in 2008 when 
when the mortgage meltdown happened and so many people had, uh, you know, kind of a mini financial crisis with their 401ks and their stock holdings and uh, their homes and uh, coupon uh, kind of awareness online and, and redemption just shot through the roof. And once consumers get used to that, they, they don't stop. They don't go, I don't want a coupon anymore. I've had enough of those. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was weird during COVID. We saw a surprising contraction. I think that was because a lot of merchants panicked. Uh, you know, some shut their affiliate programs down, canceled their agency um, uh, contracts, uh, which unfortunately indicates, like, you know, a lot of people out there in the decision-making chair still don't quite get um, affiliate, how the channel works, because, you know, you're, you're paying for the revenue that comes in. And you, you know, you as the brand are in the driver's seat. You, twi- you turn the dials. And, you know, then you obviously have to go out there and negotiate in the marketplace. Um, but then those, that coupon volume, uh, came back and, you know, I think it's only going to go up in, in, in the future. Uh, it's sort of like, um, it may seem like a slightly odd comparison point, but like, you know, rewards cards, uh, were kind of a little bit of an oddity when they came back, like reward credit cards, you get 1%, 2% back, you got the whole points thing. And now for a lot of people, it's the only card that they'll, that they'll use. That's not a hundred percent of the market, but it's a huge segment of the market. The same thing is true for, for coupons. Most people want to play this game, and are you going to be as a brand better off by playing the game with them, or by uh, trying to ignore it or otherwise not playing the game? I think it's almost certainly going to be the former. Well, Brooke, I greatly appreciate all your insights here. Um, like I said, this this coupon space has uh, a lot of uh, people that are excited about it, a few detractors, and uh, a lot of people in the middle. And um, I think you know by just understanding all the things that we talked about, all the moving pieces here helps people kind of maybe reevaluate and hopefully, hopefully, you know, not bear down and, and maybe start doing some real testing and, and put together more thought out strategy on, on how to leverage these better. Um, if anybody, any retailers feel they're doing this really well, please reach out. I'd love to have you on the podcast. So that would be exciting as well. But here, here's somebody's feels like they've got it figured out and done a lot of work on this already. Well, thank you, Todd. This has been this has been great. Well, we'll see you around. Thanks again, and uh, take care. Understanding consumer behavior is vital if brands want to increase their chances of customer loyalty and purchasing. Consumers are looking for deals, and many small and large name brands will be smart to meet consumers where they are and offer promotions that can motivate them to purchase. Often, brands are in competition with Amazon and other brands that sell similar products to what they offer. In these instances, many consumers will choose the one that is more inclined to help the consumer in the buying process, whether that be through a deal or a coupon. If a brand does decide to use coupons, it's key to note that maintaining the validity of these coupons plays a large role in the consumer experience. More brands are leaning into promoting coupons alongside publications or commerce content This can increase the likelihood of consumers sourcing deals from reliable sources and in turn increase their desire to complete the purchase. Coupons and deals are here to stay as long as consumers continue to search for them. And it could be a beneficial move for brands to develop a strategy around them if they want an upper hand against the competition. It was awesome to have Brooke share his insights on the show. Thanks for listening and I look forward to next season. Thanks for listening to the Partnership Economy brought to you by Impact.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show and rate and review it on Apple Podcasts.